Inspired by the life and legacy of Rachel Scott, Rachel's challenge has brought hope to over 25 million people. I have this theory that if one person can go out of their way to show compassion, then it will start a chain reaction of the same. People will never know how far a little kindness can go. Every year, hundreds of suicides are averted and bullying and violence decrease as students accept the challenge to bring kindness and compassion to their schools and communities. This podcast exists to continue Rachel's chain reaction of kindness and compassion by hearing from incredible people who are doing inspirational work to make this world a better place. Hey everyone, welcome to the Rachel's Challenge podcast. I'm your host, Matt Kinzera, and I'm so thankful that you joined us today. I trust that you are doing incredible work spreading kindness and compassion wherever you are. This week on the show, I am so excited because we have a Rachel's Challenge presenter, an educator, father, all-around great human being from the great state of Rhode Island, Mr. Jim Kennedy. Hey, Jim, it's so great to catch up with you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on the Rachel's Challenge podcast. Why don't you kick it off by just sharing a little bit about who you are and what you do? Absolutely, man. I will say it's my pleasure to be here, and I appreciate you having me. Uh, I'm Jim Kennedy. I am a high school teacher in Rhode Island, Warwick, Rhode Island, actually. I've been teaching for 20-plus years now. I'm certified in Rhode Island to teach K-12 through phys ed and health. But by choice, I teach 99% health. And I'm at the high school, like I said, and it's just, it's, uh, I'm blessed. It's just such a great, great experience to be in the classroom every day with these kids, talking to them about real life stuff. It's been such a gift uh, for me. You know, I say to my students all the time, and we've all heard this in our lifetime, find something that you love to do, and it's not like working. And it's, it is, it's so true. I don't feel like I'm working when I go every day to school. I just feel like it's a, just an extension of my life. And it's a, it's a blessing. It really is to be able to do that on a daily basis. And Jim, how did you get into education? Is that something you always wanted to do or something that came around a little bit later in life? Yeah, that was a, it was actually a career change. It's funny. I share the story with people. My, I have two brothers. All three of us are in education. Uh, all three of us are high school teachers. None of us started out as high school teachers or as, as educators. We all had degrees in other things and then through our life experiences made our way towards education. Mine was funny. I, I, my mom for years and years was a secretary in one of the middle schools in the city that we grew up and she would encourage us to go into education she thought it was such a noble profession and i i won't speak for my brothers but for myself i thought nah, you go to school every day it's kind of boring i wasn't a big fan of school when i was there to begin with so i don't want to do that i want to go see the world and do other things and i got a degree in communications and i was working for a major airline at the time and thought i would use that degree with them and and maybe travel with them and 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 head towards their corporate offices one thing led to another they had some layoffs there so i was kicking around and my brother had already started one of them had already started teaching and was coaching and he needed an assistant coach coaching softball and so i said i'll help out so i volunteered to help out had one season that was great Went back the next season. I was still kind of working local, and it just uh, it just made me realize how enjoyable 
working with young people can be and the impact that you can have on young people. And that was just coaching. I thought maybe if I chose to go into education, I could do this on a daily basis. And so uh, I started looking into it, ended up back at the University of Rhode Island and made my way to the classroom. And it's something that I have zero regrets on. You know, you don't want to look back in life and say, oh, I should have or I could have. So I don't do that and think, well, I could have started earlier. I think I went into it at the right time, at the right age where it was perfect for me. And I have uh, enjoyed every day since. Maybe the first year, not so much because a first year teacher is tough. Uh, but other than that, uh, I've enjoyed every year since. Uh, so inspiring to hear your passion for your career and for education as a whole. And as a former teacher, I concur that first year, <laughs> that's absolutely brutal. Jim, how did you first encounter Rachel's Challenge in your life? I, I, I can remember it was years ago. I was just home one afternoon. I, I had my computer on. I was scrolling through there, probably doing research on, on health topics, if I had to guess. And something caught my eye on my home screen. I saw uh, something about Columbine. And I had just gotten into teaching when Columbine happened. All of us in education that were, were teaching at that time remember where we were and, and what that day meant to all of us and, and how in just a day everything changed. So anytime I see something on Columbine, I just I would read about it and, and try and just learn and know more because you're going into school every day yourself and you just I think I just had that drive inside of me to want to know more. So I clicked on that that little story that I saw on the homepage, and it was actually a story about Rachel's challenge. After clicking on it and, and reading about Rachel and learning about her life and, and realizing what the Scott family was doing and the power that was having and being amazed by the story of one 17-year-old girl and the impact that she was having around the nation and, and around the globe, really, I downloaded some stuff, went in the next day to my assistant principal, one of them, and I asked her, can we do this at school? Can we bring this program here? So she read the material. I sat there with her while she read it. Uh, I don't think she thought I was going to do that, but I was waiting for an answer right then because I was so drawn to the program. And she said, absolutely, I don't see why not. And so we put together a small committee and we worked hard and got approval from administration above her and brought in the program to our high school. And the speaker who came in, uh, Sam, was just, uh, Sam is just a great guy. And, and when you meet people that have the same passion that you do, especially in terms of, of kindness, compassion, how we treat each other. And you realize it's not just a, a program that's about going out there because it's a job. You realize that it's a passion of these people and they're an extension of what Rachel wanted. That's really powerful stuff. And so Sam and I had this connection and we stayed friendly and it, it had been something I always wanted to do on a personal level beyond just my classroom. And I was so amazed by, you know, I share this with, with, with people sometimes. I listened to that first Rachel's Challenge program and some of the very things that Rachel wrote about, about dreaming big and, and kindness and compassion were things that not only I believed in, but that I taught about in my classroom and that I had posters in my classroom that I had created from the first day I was teaching so kids could see these positive messages. So I just felt such a connection to her message and was so, again, moved by it that I decided to look into, is it possible to go and, and maybe do this on a bigger scale than just in my classroom? Oh, I love that. Hey, Jim, uh, talking about when Columbine happened, when the tragedy at Columbine happened, you're absolutely right. I was in my internship last semester of college working at a school and I can literally picture the exact place, the exact spot where I was standing when I found out about it. And so I couldn't agree more that those of us who were in education at that time will never forget where we were. 
At this point, Jim, you've done hundreds of presentations at several schools over several years with Rachel's Challenge. Are there any memorable stories that you'd like to share or any schools that really were meaningful or impactful to you? So I was speaking at a school in Connecticut. This one I'll never forget. There was, uh, we did the presentations during the day. It was a, a, a bigger high school. So there were two Rachel's Challenge presentations. We did a, a four training. Then later that night, we were doing the community event, which is always great because parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, they get a chance to come and see what it was that their sons, their daughters, their grandchildren experienced that day. And it's funny because a lot of that you get parents at because a child came home and for the first time in maybe months said, and I love you to a parent or gave them a hug, something of that nature. So I was speaking at this school. It was a community event that had gone well. We did the, the entire presentation for the community. And then there was a line of people that came down, parents, uh, grandparents, just to, to say a kind word or, or an expression. And I'll never forget, as I was talking to the first group of parents, maybe eight, nine, 10 people back was a woman who was crying. And it was obvious you could hear her. It wasn't just sniffles. I noticed as I looked up, she was with another woman that was trying to comfort her and the woman was still crying. So I remember I reached behind me because you, you learn to carry tissues with you. So I reached behind me, I had a pack of tissues and this was so great. I didn't have to leave my spot. The next parent saw what I had, reached out and took them and they just passed them in the line back to this mom. So finally, this mom came up, she started to speak and she started crying again. She composed herself as best she could, and she shared with me that she's... Matt, I still share this, this story with my students, and I get a little emotional about it. She shared with me that she's a single mom with her daughter. She said her, her daughter's dad walked out of the picture years ago and hasn't been around. And she said, lately, as a teenager, she and her daughter struggle in their relationship. They have a hard time. She said, yesterday, when... I got home from work, I had gotten a phone call from a teacher that my daughter wasn't keeping up in one of her classes. It was the second phone call I'd gotten in a week. So when I came in from work, my daughter was home and it just, it was the typical, it started, I just right away laid into her about why she isn't keeping up in school and how hard I'm working. And it led to a fight. And she said, my daughter, she got her coat and she left and it was probably about 5.30, 6 o'clock. She said, well, by eight o'clock she wasn't home and I hadn't heard from her, so I texted her. She said 8.30, she didn't respond, I text her again. She said by nine o'clock, I'm calling her. I'm calling her friends, I haven't heard from her. She said it got to be 9.30, 10 o'clock, I was so panicked, I called the police. She said, police sent an officer over. While I was speaking with him, my daughter walked in. And she said, um, the police officer looked at her, asked if you were so-and-so, if everything was okay. She said, yep, I'm fine. She said, okay. he said, okay. So he left i went to ask my daughter something and she just looked at me and said i hate you and she went to bed so she said the next day i thought i would talk to her i thought she'd stay home from school because she was doing that a lot she said i got up and she wasn't there so i assumed she had gone to school she said i went to work she said about 11:30, i got a phone call from the counselor at school and she said i have your daughter here she said um She's okay, but I just wanted to call you. She wanted to talk to you. So the mom said, okay. So the daughter got on the phone, she was crying. And the mom told me that all she said to her was, I love you. And she was crying. 
So the counselor got on the phone and asked if I could come into school. She said I left right away. And I came into school and I sat, I walked in, my daughter just got up and she gave me a hug and she cried. And she asked, she said, I asked in the, the conversation, I asked the counselor, what, what's going on? The counselor said to me, we had a program at school today called Rachel's Challenge. And she said, she said, your daughter was at the presentation and from the presentation came right here and wanted to speak with you. The counselor told me that there was a presentation tonight. She said, I had to come and see it. She said, I needed to see what it was that impacted my daughter so much. And so she came, I'll never forget these words. She said, I wish I could give Mr. Scott his daughter back. I can't, but I need to thank him for giving me my daughter back. What a powerful story of how the message of Rachel Scott can affect schools, communities, and families. We're not always, especially as educators, we're not always in the instant gratification business in that sense, that you know the lesson that you taught or the lesson or story that you shared has that impact. And I got to see it that day. And, it, and that wasn't the only time at all. It hasn't been. Like every season I've been with Rachel's, I could say the same thing. I've seen it. I'm sure you could say it from last season too, Matt, and so many of us. Such an amazing thing because you realize deep down we are all the same. And we want the same thing, and that's to be treated with respect and kindness and know that we have value. And I think young people in this day and age need that so much in their lives still. Yeah, totally agree. Now, that leads me to my next question, because, Jim, you are an educator every single day. You are in the schools every day. This is your passion. This is your career, which also is part of the reason that makes you such an exceptional presenter. As a person that's in it every single day, what do you see in your school or in schools out there that make you understand the importance of Rachel's message for today? There's a lot that I think, and, and I think I, I could speak for so many educators around my school, around the country. If you're in tune with students, with young people, and realize that beyond just what you teach, that there is a greater craving there from them, I think that makes the relationship that you have with them so much easier. I think that makes learning so much easier when they realize that you care. But I think what I've taken away is that, you know, the student number one in a class or the student that's number 280, academically speaking, they still have the same needs inside. And that is to feel valued and feel respected and then to feel like somebody cares for them. I get a little uncomfortable specifically talking, and I think most people will about themselves. But I, but I say this to my students, if you're looking for the single greatest health teacher in terms of the topics that we teach, you're in the wrong place. That's not me. We're going to learn together. I might be researching something not only the night before, I might be researching it the period before because things in health change so much. And I'm okay with that. I want them to understand that was a fear of mine when I first started teaching health. I, these kids might know more than I do in terms, and especially once the internet took off and I'm like, these kids really even need me. But what I realized is if they know that I care about them, the rest of it is easy. And I think that's been the greatest gift that I've been able to give to my students to say, hey, I might, I'm not sure about that, but we'll find out together and know that you can come in here anytime and, and chat. And I think, uh, I, I say to them, we're 99.9% .9 alike. I'm a little older, True. a lot funnier, 
a little better looking. But other than that, we're 99.9% alike. And I come into school every day and want to feel like I belong with you guys. And I want that connection. And I want to feel that you guys care and, and have respect for me. And if I don't give that to you, I won't get it. And if I want that, I know that's what you want too. And I think that's so important. You know, Daryl, he's, he's so great at expressing this too and talking about the head, the heart, and the hands. And I think that if we don't recognize that connection, and I think, I think we've gotten away from it in a lot of ways, if we don't recognize that, then we won't improve. Jim, I think you absolutely hit it on the head because the reality is this, that it doesn't matter whether we're a student or an adult, you know, we all desire and need the same things. We all desire to be accepted, cared for. We all desire to be a, a part of something that's greater than ourselves even. And that's nothing that can ever be considered superficial. It's not that type of recognition. I've had these students in class that you would look at surface-wise and be like, they got it all together. They're captain of this and they're in this and they're great. And you realize that's okay for them, but there's so much more because those things change in life and, and some of them go away. Kids won't play athletics in college and if that's all they're recognized for, you know that there might be an emptiness there. And so many of them that have said, you know, I've been blessed along the years because once they realize you care, they share. And sharing, that's where the connection comes from. And I think so much of, of the valued learning that we talk about, I just think it's such an important message that we have the opportunity to give them. Uh, Jim, what I would do to trade out my health teacher when I was growing up for you. So exceptional. And I think what you mentioned there, too, is so true. Uh, one group of people that's often overlooked are those who are doing really well, whether it's academically or in sports or music. And we think they've got everything put together. And so sometimes we just let them be forgetting like we already talked about, that we all need the same things. And you could be wildly successful in your school, but still be missing something, which is why Rachel's challenge is, is so important. Okay, this is a biggie. Share with the listeners and myself how Rachel's challenge has impacted you personally. Whew. Best way for me to word this, and I think the greatest compliment I can give to Rachel... Aside from having my own two children, the single greatest thing I've done for myself is to become a member of the Rachel's Challenge family, hands down. And you know, we've already gone over it, Matt, you know I love my career, I love teaching, I love being with my students, but just on a very personal level, I mean, that's close, that's, that's up there too, but just on a personal level, joining the Rachel's Challenge family and the impact that it's had on me as a person is second to having my own children. I think so much of it probably revolves around who we are as individuals. When you have a, a core belief about something, there is something that's intoxicating when you find other people that have that same belief and that are as passionate about it as you are. And when you have rooted in that is, is your firm belief that this isn't policy, this is human beings. It's so simple, it's just how do we treat each other? It's not how successful we are, how much money we have, what type of vehicle we drive, what type of house we live in. It's just how do we treat each other on a very basic level. And I think for me, when I found Rachel's message and when I found the Rachel's Challenge family, it was like getting it reinforced where it's okay to go out and do this. 
getting it reinforced where as a young man, maybe in high school, it's okay to have feelings and emotions and share those. It's hard sometimes to put into words how this connects with, on what level. All of us have a story. All of us have something going on. And if we just recognize that, I think, you know, this might sound corny, and I say it to my students, I'm okay being corny. The world can be a greater place if we all just pause for a minute and recognize that and appreciate it in each other. Rachel's dad, Daryl, says it, be a see-through and not a look at her. If we just saw through people, not just look at their behaviors or, or label them a certain thing, but look through that to understand what's brought them to this point in their life, what's going on. And certainly with young people, to look at them and say, what could they be experiencing in life that's made them this way or why are they carrying this around? And if we do that, I think we've got a great chance of reaching each other. And I think on that level, it's just, that's where it connects with me to see that, that message with Rachel. There's so many levels, Matt, it connects on. But it blows my mind to think it's a 17-year-old girl and she connects. And I say to the students all the time when I present her message, I'm not, this. she's connected with me first and foremost, or I couldn't be here sharing this with you. And she has that ability to connect with you if you just open your heart. Jim, in the midst of everything that's going on in our world right now, do you mind sharing based on who you are, what you do, what you've experienced with Rachel's challenge? Where do you see hope in our world today? You go into schools that had as years before that still have these clubs going and these programs going based on her messages, Rachel's messages and, and what she believed in. And they're carrying that message through. And so there's hope in that this generation of young people develops that same philosophy that Rachel had in terms of how we treat each other. And if it not even develops it, maybe that's, that's not giving them enough credit, recognizes that they have it and it's okay to have it and share it and, and live it and you're not alone. I think that's such a powerful message from Rachel. You are not alone. We're not just trying to reach kids that haven't been nice or that haven't grasped that. We're saying to those of you that are out there, and there are millions of you, it's okay. You can be like this. It's not only acceptable, it's encouraged, and it's gratifying for you. And when you do that, it opens up so much of a possibility in life for you. And I think that's where I see, see hope. It'd be easy to lose hope, especially today. We'd be real honest with everything going on. But boy, what a sad world if we lose hope. But I still think that there are a lot of young people that get the, the message of empathy. And there has to be hope in that. There absolutely has to be. Special thanks to Jim Kennedy for being our guest on this episode of the Rachel's Challenge podcast. If you want to support this show, please subscribe to it, give it a five-star rating, and write a review. For more information on Rachel's Challenge, go to rachelschallenge.org. And of course, accept Rachel's Challenge to look for the best in others, to dream big, be a positive influence, speak and act with kindness, and start your own chain reaction.